Hi there. Before we start, if you're new to our show, thank you so much for tuning into our program, and we hope you'll stay with us for a very long time. And if you're a regular listener, thank you so much for your continuous support throughout this period of uncertainty. We're really grateful for all your kind words and encouragement. We really help this podcast to gain a great exposure as our mission is to center the perspectives of the people who look like us and as women and people who are marginalized historically to the sideline of conversation. So if you haven't already, we encourage you to subscribe to our podcast on Omni, Apple and Google or Spotify. Leave us a rating and a review. And if you'd like to support us, please head to Buy Me Coffee page to make a donation which will help us to continue the intersectionality of the podcast industry. Hey y'all, this is Jessie. Hi, this is Helen. And we are Asian Bitches Down Under. Uh, I am back from Wellington, New Zealand. Yes, from your lovely break and your visit to your friends. Yeah, my friend's wedding, which was uh, beautiful. Uh, Wellington, uh, have you been to Wellington, Helen? No, I haven't, only been to North Island. Oh, okay. Um, it is, it, well, it is on the North Island. Oh, it does. Yeah. <laughs> just don't, tell. don't worry. Nobody knows anything about New Zealand. My bad geographic knowledge about. Honestly, New nobody needs to know I've anything about New Zealand. I've only been to Auckland. Okay, just I've kidding. only just been kidding. to Auckland. Yeah. Um, Auckland. Why do I always not... assume that Wellington is in the south? Yeah, I do too. Don't worry, I do too because um because it's kind of like in the middle, like yeah. of, of the uh-huh. country, and it's yeah. like at the very bottom of. The, the North Island. Okay, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, it was beautiful. Um, you know, uh, Wellington is a very livable city. I mean, you okay. know, people talk about the um, the wind. It's very windy there. It's mm. famous for its wind and uh, it's very low temperatures. But, you know, after a few days, we just got used to it. Yeah. Because uh, I remember seeing this text that you sent through. The first text was like, oh, yeah, it's it, so fucking cold. Yeah, it was Arctic. It was Arctic. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, it was great. Um, very, I have to say, very glad to be back. Mm. Tremendously glad to be back. I just like That's don't nice. know how much I miss home until I come back and <laughs> have all the. You've been away kind of, for a week. A week, yeah. <laughs> but like uh, uh, the comfort of your own home. There's just like the older I get, the more I'm just like, nothing beats your own place. Yeah. That's like, and I, I get it. I get why people invest so much in their homes. You know, as you get older, you don't want to go out as much. You just it's want the to comfort relax that home, you want, you know? Yeah. And also you get used to do your own bed and pillows. Oh, yeah, exactly. I mean, our Airbnb bed in uh-huh. Wellington was absolutely um, the most comfortable place I have ever slept. But still, it just doesn't beat yeah, it's the familiarity, you know, yeah. the familiarity of your own bed. Anyway, speaking of homes, uh, I wanted to obviously give um, some, you know, we're going to jump right into our cultural consumption for the week. Everyone is talking about The Watcher on Netflix, a series mm-hmm. starring Naomi Watts and Bobby Cannavale, who is most, from, in my mind, is famous for being uh, Rose Burns' husband. I don't personally really like him. I find that he has a douche, douchey face. However, he suits <laughs> this role really well. Um, so um, I think listeners will all know the premise of this uh, series. It's actually just um, the shocking part, and I think the enticing mm-hmm aspect of this series is that it's based on a true story and mm. all I have to say is that this true story um so it was based on a uh, an article written in 2018 um and was published by published in the cut new york magazine's the cut and i have to say from the get go the 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 article is like 
the most scariest, creepiest, it's like spine tingling, everything, like every part of my body was just absolutely like on edge while I read this article. I've never wow. read anything as scary. It is so frightening. And, you know, after I read it, um, I saw the pilot of The Watcher and it kind of wasn't as scary as the article. So that's kind of like my recommendation for the week uh, is to read that article in The Cut. Um, okay. It's written by this young Jono. Uh, you know, everywhere on YouTube, people are talking about it. Uh, it's it's like a very... I mean, the premise is basically a, a family who move into a suburban, very white suburb in New Jersey, and they start... Like, before they move in, there are a bit of discrepancies between the real story and the Netflix series. Mm-hmm. But um, it's either before they move in or as they are moving in, they receive a very very frightening letter from someone who calls themselves a watcher mm-hmm. saying kind of like my father watched this house in the 1920s and my grandfather watched it in the 20s my father watched it in the 60s and now it's my turn to watch it and it makes a lot of very uh very very nefarious insinuations as to watching the kids so the family in real life have three kids in the series they only reduce it to two kids um, and like it, it's just you, sh- you you absolutely have to read the article because they publish bits of the letter inside the article, mm-hmm. and it is by far the scariest thing I've ever read. Because like I don't know about you, but I personally mm. I I reckon this is just generally a common thing. But I I find there's nothing more frightening than as a woman I guess uh, also um, by the by the idea of someone watching you. Like for mm. me, there's nothing more frightening than this um this uh hint of someone saying that they're watching you like that is even if they don't do anything i don't like i just think there's nothing scarier than being surveilled in your own home yeah. you know yeah in your own home because it's supposed to be like a place for comfort and safety and privacy, and privacy. privacy. yeah i i value yeah. privacy above everything else um yeah. so yeah that is okay. that is my little recommendation for the week so this piece is written by Reeves Wilderman, mm-hmm. and it's originally called what? Uh, the Haunting of a Dream House or something. Yeah, like it's six. On... It's six five seven Boulevard Avenue, I think, right oh, in they Westfield. Even have, even yeah, have the, the, address. the address. Yeah, so you can actually even look it up in uh, okay. on Google. My it's goodness. it's really terrifying. It's just the most terrifying thing ever. So you've only watched the first episode. I've only watched the, the first episode. Thing. Yeah, yeah, and I'm not sure if I'll keep watching to be honest, just because um. I am not in a very like serious watching mood at the moment. I, I just like I'm reading yeah. a lot. I'm trying to finish a freaking book. Like it's it's not on the top of my list to do. I see. But okay. it's worth watching the first episode. You say it's created by Ryan Murphy. Yeah, who also did. Yeah, he he's done he's mystery done mystery thrillers. And yeah, he's like done that. another series, the Dharma. Uh, murders or something that you know, oh, other people are been talking about. The tall, in the tall, yeah, uh, the past yeah, few weeks. which I haven't seen because I just uh, yeah. I find I I've heard it's quite gruesome and violent, mm-hmm. so I'll yeah. give that a pass. Um, but what about you, Helen? What have you been watching? Okay, so last two weeks, um, I have been following a um South Korean TV drama which is streaming on Netflix as well. It's called Narco Scent. But the original Korean name is called Sur- Suriname. Mm-hmm. I can't. I cannot pronounce it. I'm so bad at pronouncing like foreign words. Suriname, which is a small South uh, South American uh, country, 
So this TV series is directed and co-written by Yeon Jong Bin, and it's based on a true event. The drama depicts a hardworking entrepreneur who has no choice but to risk his life by joining secret missions of government uh, agents to capture a Korean drug lord operating in Suriman. Su Surinam. Surinam. Yeah. That's how they pronounce it in Korean. Yeah. Right. Right. Um. So it's quite interesting because you follow this um just everyday. Well, he's not actually everyday hardworking normal average dude. He was like involved in bit more kind of on the peripheral of illegal operations of like karaoke bars and right. Right. selling you know commodities that's like under table. Before that, he struck a deal with his friend to go to Suriname. I can't still can't pronounce his name, the name of the country. Suriname mm. to... Is that um, a fictional country or a real country? No, no, no. It's a real country. <coughs> it's actually... No, no, right. I never can heard you, of this country. Really? Can S-U-R-I-N-N-A-M-E. you spell Suriname. Suriname, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've never heard of this country before. Oh, I've I seen this. it. I've seen it. Yeah. I've seen it. Like, I, I, I don't think people talk about it a lot. Uh huh. Yeah. It's such a tiny country. Yeah, it's it's so it's so for the people listeners who don't know, it's next to Ghana, Guyana, mm. sorry, and French Guinea, in Africa. Mm. So it's on the. Is it Africa? Why did I? Yeah. Oh, did you say really South bad. Africa? Did I said South, South America. America. You know, uh, we can all be forgiven. Actually, you are no, right. No, it is in South, South America. America. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm. Okay. I'm the one who's wrong here. Sorry. <laughs> it's um. Yeah. It's it's French next to French Guiana. French it's Guinea. on. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like at the top of South America, kind of in top, in the middle on the of top tip. Yeah. 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 Very very tiny. Yeah. Yeah. So we follow this guy Ingu Khan. Um, he actually reminds me like this. He he reminds me of our dad, the character oh, that he okay. plays. Mm-hmm. Like um, he would do anything for business, as mm, in right. ah, take it, yeah, you know, yeah, of you, course. You just do it. That is the mentality regardless. of my life. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Yeah. So he was persuaded by his friend to go and import this sort of fish called skate fish, um, similar to stingrays, as a delicacy mm-hmm. to Koreans, but they don't eat it in Suriname. So right. he was in try, uh, helping his friends to import, mm-hmm. and while they were like really recited there to um, help the fishermen to catch and then to contain, put it in containers and ship it to Korea. And during one of the shipment, it was being intercepted by the border control, and mm-hmm. cocaine was discovered right. um, in that shipment. So his life was like turned upside down. He was prosecuted and sentenced for like um, seven months in jail. And when he was released, he was still trying to figure out what happened because his partner, who is his best friend, died yeah. when they were escaping right. from right. Um, being captured by the police. And he was trying to figure out what happened. And the secret government agent from Korea kind of visited him, uh, who is actually played, I don't know if you remember, he's the, the guy who was a good friend of the protagonists in Squid Game. The uh-huh. one with glasses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the guy one with who, like a nerdy. Yeah, 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 I remember. I remember. Yeah, he was the one, the last one to survive with yeah, him in the game. Yeah. yeah. So he played the secret agent who strikes, uh, he, who striked up a deal with him and asked him to join the National Intelligence Service as an undercover to capture the drug law. 
So I think there's a there's been a lot of genre in drug cartels in U.S. Um, TV production, but this is the first time that I've seen the South Korean expanded so well. Uh, they actually shot this in the Dominic Republic right. to produce this drama. It has a similar vibe. Um, I don't know if you would be interested to watch, but it does have a similar vibe of Tokyo Vice, right, right, where the character like who kind of become an interloper of the gang lane and yeah. trying to play mind games with each other. Except this is much more gruesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But Sounds I think very the whole. Violent. Yeah, it's very violent. The whole the whole setting is very atmospheric um, because it's set on the. You can see it's very there's a South American kind of vibe, and um, you know there's a really precarious surrounding dealing with drug. Um, one other interesting character that apparently isn't in the real life event was the Chinatown gangster that's in mm-hmm. the TV series. Uh, Chen Zhen, who is actually uh, played by, we recognize, we didn't recognize until like second episode. He's the Chinese actor, Zhang Zhen. Right. I don't think I don't you know, know him. Yeah. Because yeah. you didn't watch Dune. He was one yeah. of the, he, he was, uh, he played Dr. Wellington Yue. In that. Right, yeah. right. So he's one of the very rare Taiwanese actor that has made it into overseas. Hollywood. Yeah, has been to Hollywood. Right. So, um, yeah. what um, what made you pick this series? Do you usually just, uh, you do usually watch a lot of Asian series, don't you? I watch a lot of Asian series, but the reason that I picked this one is because I never seen an Asian production that has uh, done on the genre of the drug cartel. Right. Right. Okay. And I just want to see how they do it, whether yeah. or not it's. I wouldn't say up to the standard. I just want to see how they uh, might do it differently. Not that I really watch a lot of Western um, drug cartel sort of yeah. TV series, but I don't, it's it's quite evocative, I think. Yeah. Because yeah. you just want to see that how an ordinary guy deals with you know, a drug cartel. And it's, it's so fascinating that it's there's a lot of con men, um, con artists, yeah. Um, elements within it as well, right? Yeah. But it just reminds me of very, it's slightly similar to Tokyo Vice. Well, there's no Ansel Eagle, so I probably won't. I think you want easy. Yeah, yeah. Basic bitch here <laughs> talking. Um, uh, what and what what streaming platform is that uh, now? Live it's on, on Netflix. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, so also what, the same as with The Watcher on Netflix. I've become okay. very disinterested in TV shows in the last couple of. Uh, I I don't know. Just like. Maybe it's just because I'm in the f- mood right now of creating a book. I'm just like mm-hmm. so disinterested in everything else. Okay, so have you been reading much? What have you well, been reading? Well, the only thing I've been reading also and kind of getting really obsessed with is, um, you know how I, the probably, probably someone who I admire and respect beyond above and beyond anyone else on the planet is Wesley Morris, uh, the mm. New York Times film critic, and he came out and. He's been saying, uh, he, I think he dropped a few hints a few years ago saying he's in the process of writing a book. I'm still waiting okay. for this book. Um, so any, every few months he drops an essay. And yeah. this past week he dropped an essay called Trash Nation, which I discovered on Autumn, of course. Autumn is the best thing ever to invented. To listen to the essays. Yeah, yeah so, um, and, uh, so it basically, it's, I find that I've listened to this um, article about 
10 times now because I'm trying oh, to wow. understand. Ten times. Well, it's only 30 minutes long. So, like, yeah. <laughs> I've, so, it's, it's like, I've, I've Six, listened to it. Five hours. Yeah, it's super, like, it's not, not a big deal for me and I love his writing. But it's basically this idea of how the genre of trash has disappeared somehow and it has been transferred into American politics. So he gives a few examples about, you know, examples of trash movies. Um, um, trash is not trashy, you know, when we talk about trashy movies, it's not exactly trashy. He kind of explains what trash movies, um, what they encompass, and he lists a lot of them. Um, none of them I've seen, like Nuts from oh. 1987, okay. I think, or um, with Barbara Streisand. Uh, he'd mentioned Shaft. He, he talks about how trash as a genre is kind of like, the twin of camp it's inherently colored it's inherently queer it's inherently like subversive um i i think i'm still trying to get my head around exactly what he's saying that's why i've listened to it so many times but like mm-hmm. i'm obsessed with wesley morris i i just think he's a god like i i i'm not someone who reveres anyone um very very like easily but i I definitely revere him. Uh, anything that comes out of his mind is n- absolute pure magic. So, uh, yeah, mm. we'll p- link that article in the show notes. It's called Trash okay. Nation if you just want to look it up on Google. Is it because there are more people worry about the political movements and the things that we, um, whatever that changes in the agenda of, politics will affect our lives more directly nowadays rather than in the past that people are just don't care about what's happening in the politics because I feel like maybe it's because we're getting older that's something that we're starting to think a bit more as well but then I have a sense of feeling that even younger kids in this generation they're more in touch with politics than comparing to our generation no I think politics has always been close Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, yeah. I mean, that's not Wesley Morris's point. He's basically saying how, um, he he's kind of making the point of how, um, in the past we used to only have movies that are centered around individual agendas, I guess. Um, okay. but these days, like um, these days, uh, every movie has been Marvelized. Like every every movie is like a Marvel saga. It's always got to be about saving the universe. Um, uh, it's always oh. about morality and justice now. Yeah. Um, but to your point, I don't, I don't like he he mentions how um the Fast and the Furious used to just be about car thieves and now it's about saving the world. Like, <laughs> I, I think that's really see, he's just he makes the most astute observations about the way in which um, film uh, reflects what's happening in the in the society political world. Like he yeah. he uh-huh. he has just the most like astonishingly. Um, bright mind when it comes to connecting things together it's just honestly it's just like mind-blowing i will never get over how how clever he is honestly okay i mean i just i can't get over how brilliant his writing is um yeah i I, and it's only 30 minutes long so it's what five thousand word essay it's very short so um yeah go and read that guys it's it's, honestly listen to it yeah. Every every time I come away from reading his work, I'm just like, I have this newfound sense of the world. It's a, <laughs> it's absolutely extraordinary. 
That's amazing. Okay, so this week, actually, the past two weeks, I have been reading Life Ceremony Sayaka Murata's book that you passed on to me. Yeah. Before you left for New Zealand, have you finished it?、Uh, I finished it and I found it so interesting. Well, I'm not surprised that because the way that I've already got used to the way that she writes and so very unconventional,、um, not the traditional type of writing that you expect、mm. from an Asian writer. She's a very strange and weird sort of. She writes a very strange and weird genres and stories. Yeah,、um, it's crazy, which I love. I know. I, really, I think I a lot of people love it. I love his.、Yeah. That's why she's doing so well internationally. Her translations are selling millions. In the West,、years. I think. Yeah, yeah. that's kind of yeah, what I meant when I said the world. It's more acceptable、yeah. in the West. Yeah.、Um, one of the story that caught my attention was the one about multiple personalities. Okay, I don't、that、think I was, read that one. That one was slightly different to the other ones where.、Mm. Most of the stories is a very it's about human body, you know, and very、uh, straightforward and gruesome sexual encounters. But、yeah. whereas the ones about personality, the multiple personalities, I forgot the the story title name, but it's about how this woman that she presents herself differently to different groups of her friends,、mm-hmm. and then her husband's found finding out. That she, she has multiple personalities, as in, really, really different personalities. So, I thought that one was a bit strange compared to all her other stories. That I didn't think it fitted that much. So、But、you're saying you was, didn't like that piece? I don't know. I just, I, I just thought that one was a bit, not boring, but it was just a bit bland. I didn't think that yeah, kind of stories will be. Yeah, I guess in every、yeah. in every collection you need something that is like the pastry between the cream. I guess <laughs> that's you know? a good description. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.、Um, yeah. To balance it out,、um, I I found it I find it interesting because like、um, a lot of famous novelists come out with、uh, short story collections after their big、mm. hits.、Okay. I, I to be honest, I'm not a fan of short stories. Oh okay. Like, yeah, I, I, I actually quite enjoy short oh, stories. Oh okay. Yeah, yeah I don't yeah. want to take too long to follow. Oh through, no,、so. I I I um short stories give me a lot of anxiety. I think <laughs> because I I think、Outside. I need to write this good. Like short stories are like the best writing. Oh, it, it needs to be really really、It's、good、so、to good. be. I know. Catch the attention. Yeah. 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 Um, but uh. Yeah, it's.、Uh, I I I I think、um, you're right. I I think the thing about that author is every story that I read, except for the one you just mentioned, in her book,、um, it kind of made me think: Is she a vegan? Because、um, a lot of the stories had kind of undertones of veganism. I have a sense that she is either vegan or vegetarian, right, or she's、yeah. just been satirical about how society is overconsuming on the meat. On animal meat, yeah, I think, yeah, because it has a similar tone of、um, the vegetarian, yeah, exactly, Hung Kang, yeah, Hung Kang, yeah, Hung Kang, yeah, the Korean writer. It, it has a very similar vibe, and、um, she talks a lot in her story about consuming、um, animal. human. And yeah, animal and animal, human animal、oh, you know the yeah. cannibalism. Cannibalism, yeah. yeah. Any 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 film or text about cannibalism, I think, is a text about veganism,、oh. inherently. Like you、okay. you can't you can't deny that.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, and because her, her, also her first 
Her first story in Life Ceremony, the collection, really kind of opened my mind and made me wonder. Yeah, why I not? Know, the I know. idea using a dead person, dead person's bodies for hair, skin. hair, jewelry, like making yeah, and like teeth. we're all about sustainability, right? Yeah, I know. So like, why then, not? It's, why it's, not? Yeah, that, that, exactly. That, and then like the main it's protagonist's husband. He is very anti using animal, uh, human flesh or human body parts. Yeah. So he's more like the vegan in our world today, mm-hmm. like like sensing the injustice in it, or yeah. like the, just the freaking weirdness of it. You know, yeah. like when we if we all like if we all, I don't have a doubt at all that if each one of us um steps inside an ab um inside a inside a abattoir, and see how cows are slaughtered, we would never touch meat. Mm-hmm. Would never. Or like we, yeah. if we see how our meat is um, produced, produced, there's no yeah. way that any there there's no way any of us would not be vegans. Yeah. So I think yeah I think um I think I haven't researched it on Google but I'm I feel like she You're must have some sort of she yeah. must be some sort of vegan or yeah. Yeah. Or otherwise, I feel like her work of when writing about cannibalism, it's kind of like her manifestation about how society is you need to almost consume another person in order for your own success you know yeah, talking yeah. about the kind of oppression or suppression of other people yeah yeah exactly to gain power yeah or something like that yeah okay so that's from me oh actually i i've also i'm almost finishing daisy girl by daisy Desi, yeah. yeah, it's a short E, sorry, Desi Girl by Sarah Malek, uh, who is a weekly award-winning Australian journalist. It took me a while to start reading it because I was thinking, oh, so it's another memoir. I don't know if I want to read it. But um, once I um, start reading the first chapter, um, I actually quite enjoyed it because um, it's not only memoir, it's part essay as well. Mm, so mm. she writes about, about her opinion, what she thought about things, um, and her evaluation coming out from her observation of her life. Um, so the stories range from her teenage years in Western Sydney, moving out during her university years, how she navigated her life around religion, family and career and also her identity. I actually, I specifically love the chapter about language, lost in translation. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um where she, she traveled talk to she talks about where she, when she traveled to Jordan to re- learn Arab because that's the or um, that's the origin original um language for Islamic religion for her. And I guess it's imperative to learn the language of the religion to understand and interpret yourself. I think that's mm. what she meant because most of the interpretation you get is like secondhand. Yeah. And no doubt most of it, those interpretations from religion will be like by man. Mm. Yeah. And sometimes you could get different meanings through different perspectives or interpretations. So Malik wrote about like struggles of her parents learning English and also the struggles communicating with the parents. I feel that kind of resonated with me and yeah, yeah. Know, the the generations of the immigrant kids. Um, I think she's around her age. I think she's around Yeah, her 30s. I think she's she's about yeah. your your age, yeah. And there's a part where she describes the different values of language and dialects in her family. Um, it's very similar to how, like, in Taiwanese society in the past, Taiwanese perceived as, like, the lower value 
Well, um, it's there. There's a language hierarchy, and Taiwanese, yeah, the hi- yeah, exactly. Taiwanese is seen as like uh, like the bogan equivalent of a country of Taiwan. Yeah, because it was, um, you know, Taiwan is a, a place being colonized, and there was a, like a hierarchy of Japanese and like, mm. later yeah. Mandarin, and now you know people are so fond of English, saying thinking that anyone who could speak English is like on the top of a society, that kind of shit. Anyway, I found the books written by journalists are definitely the books that I can read without like difficulties. Mm. Like you know the some of the writers that um, I mentioned throughout the year, for example, the Candy House and the Lost Dog in the previous episode I talked about. I found them really hard to read because they're novels as well. But um, I always found like the books written by journalists are easier to approach. Mm. Yeah, well, easier yeah. to understand. Yeah. I think um, Jennifer Egan would call herself a highbrow kind of conceptual <laughs> novelist. Yeah, it's not for everyone. But yeah, yeah. J- journalists write books that um, are for the mass audience mm-hmm. because their yeah, role, their job is inherently about um, communicating with the mass audience. Yeah. Which is very good, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It gets straight to the point. I mean, I guess that's the that's the reason that you write, isn't it? Like you're to be approachable. To get, yeah, to be yeah, get I agree. people to understand, not make it so. What's Sarah Malik's background? Is she Jordanian? She is Pakistani. Oh, okay. Pakistani yeah. Australian. Yeah. 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 So I'm on to the last chap- final chapter now. It's very good, I think. Yeah. Highly Amazing. recommended for everyone. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so should we take a quick break? And when we come back, we want to talk about... Just a really quick wrap-up of the news items of this week. (laughs) The women around the world this week. Yeah, women around the world, that's right. (laughs) Okay, so we're back. Uh, Three quick news items this week. Uh, The first one is uh, good news for Asian Americans. Uh, Anna Mm -hmm. Mae Wong, the legendary Hollywood actress who worked in the um, early 20th to mid-20th century. Uh, uh, She became the first Asian-American to appear on the U.S. currency. Now, it's part of like... um, It's kind of like part of a program called the American Women Women Quarters Program by U.S. Mint. Um, So Americans Mint, the people who... You know, the department that print money. Uh, Every... Like, um, between 2022 and 2020... between 2022 and 2025, they're printing um, faces of prominent women from America, um, you know, every couple of months. And so before Anime One, we had Sally Ride, who was the first American female astronaut. Female astronaut. We have Maya Angelou, you know, famous activist and poet. Um, and now Anime Wong. And I wrote a piece for Women's Agenda about this. Uh, it's, mm-hmm. very, it's very sad reading Anime Wong's life i mean she died very young she was 56 when she died yeah and the fucking shit that she had to put up with you know during her time in hollywood it's just like it's just so painful to read honestly i mean uh, yeah she was paid like egregiously less than her she was paid for like what one tenth or something yeah less than one tenth bullshit for her role in uh, um opposite um what's her name Deidre, somewhere or another. Um, doesn't matter. She was just paid like way less than her <laughs> white co-worker, white, co- white yeah. co-star in one of the films. Um, she was often uh, cast in really like stereotypical female roles, Asian either role. like the or submissive Chinese, Asian, yeah. Asian or uh-huh. the Dragon Lady. 
Um, she, or prostitute. I mean, yeah. You mean she? She was um, forced into roles that you know she had absolutely no say in. Like, just remember, this is a time of anti-miscegenation laws were around. Like, she couldn't be a romantic lead, so she couldn't kiss her white co-stars. Mm-hmm. Um, during this time in America, when she was working, you know, um, uh, interracial couples could not get married. Just everything about reading her life is just like it's just distressing. It's so distressing. Yeah, and also that she was passed over for a role that was. Um, Eventually played by white actors yeah. who were yellow faced, um, yeah. which is um, Good Earth, which is a massive production. If anyone has read um, the work by Pell Barks, it's about the farmers' yeah. life in China, in China in the mid eighteen hundreds. So the lead roles were passed over to white, to white actors, actors who, p- who put on makeup, yellow to face. Look Asian. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just I cannot stand any of that. Like um. Uh, Helen and I, we haven't watched any of Anna Mae Wong's movies, which, you know, shame on us completely. But um, we <laughs> should. It's a hundred year old. Yeah, yeah we should. The there's, no, yeah. There's, no, um, there's no excuse for that. But, yeah, all the films where a white person dresses up to be, to appear, to play a role of an Asian, just, I, I can't do it. Like, it, I get a corporeal reaction when I see it. I literally mm. just cannot look at the screen. It feels too violent for me. yeah. Um, she was calling for a greater re- representation of Asian people in Hollywood. You know, this is like almost a hundred years ago, yeah. and also challenged the stereotypical depictions of Asians. Back in nineteen thirty-three, um, at the interview of LA Times, uh, she questioned why is it that screen Chinese is nearly always the villain of the place and and so crew as a villain. They they've always been portrayed as murderers, treacherous, a snake in the grass. I feel like it hasn't changed much into the oh, past, yeah. you know, maybe two decades. Until everything, everywhere, all at once. <laughs> to this year. Yeah. Yeah, there's still a lot of work to do with Asians in the spotlight or entertainment industry. You know, scripts are often written to maintain sort of like a palatable stories for my white majority. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and... It is, there's still a lot of efforts to do to change the whole system. It's very similar to the book industry, I, I feel like, for film and television. You need people in the producing, the directing, and the yeah, writing. Absolutely. The script writing to actually fit and to fit into what is appropriate for, you know, Asian performers. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Our second piece of news, Helen, take it away. Okay, so uh, we're going to head to the UK now before we head back to Australia. Uh, Liz Truss, obviously, has been booted. Well, she resigned. She she resigned. She wasn't booted. Well, you know, it was like any day now, you know, since she went to office. Yeah, everyone's anticipating. So overnight, Liz Truss announced the resignation after six weeks of being the UK's Prime Minister. Was it six weeks? Yeah, 45 days? 45 44, days. 45, 45, yeah. yeah, yeah, something really yeah, short. Something like six weeks, yeah, the shortest term in history. Yeah. So during her serving term, Trust announced £45 billion, pounds, um, approximately about $80 billion Australian dollars worth of unfunded tax cuts. Uh, she sacked the Chancellor when she realised her policies and spooked the financial markets and then reversed the majority of the measures and announced that was announced in her mini-budget 
try to appease the markets, which eventually, you know, it all came crumbled down. Yeah. Um, you were saying during our text conversation, you were saying that whether or not woman is set up for failure, um, uh, for this situation, I think so because she took over yeah. <laughs> Boris Johnson's mess yeah. that he left behind. By the way, um, yeah. Speaking of Boris Johnson, apparently he might be a contender for the yes. next. Yes, you know, yeah. There's a report that um, he has left. Um, he has cut his uh, Caribbean holiday shots <laughs> and returning to UK to oh launch God. a campaign. Oh my God. Yeah, but I think both of that. I don't know about. I don't know much about UK's politics, but it seems like both trust and. Boris Johnson has always been like a popular popularist mm. in the political arena. Apparently, and also prior to her political career, she worked as an accountant for Shell and uh, for four years. And after that, she's a politician all the way. So she hasn't right, worked right. in any other things. Right. Um, I found what one of the ABC journalists wrote that is um, very close to the situation in the political arena in UK now is that the journalist said that the system rewards candidates who are able to convince the narrow subset of people who make up the membership of a political party that they are the best candidate in a way that is not always the best interest of the nation. Yeah, it hasn't course. been the best That's of the nation. Like general... That's just like that. That 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 line could apply to any, any every single country. Every country's political, world. yeah. Oh, I don't even know how to describe it, but UK is in such mess. Well, yeah, yeah. We don't need to state the obvious. I mean, everyone knows that, and we could go on and on about that. But um, I mean, yeah. Let's turn to our third story for the week. Helen? Yeah, so finally, in the last two days, um, the re- news that I read about Lydia Thorpe, the Green Senator, has resigned after she failed to declare a possible perceived conflict of interest in her relationship with a former bikey. Um, so his name's Dim Martin. He has no criminal convictions, was associated with the Rebels bikey gangs, but stepped down as Victorian chapter president in 2018. They briefly dated in early 2021. Um, Thorpe said they remained friends and collaborated on shared interests advocating for the rights of First Nation peoples. Mm. I don't know how she was being found about the relationship. How she how it was found out? Yeah, how how this was yeah, like gone all the way, you know, out onto the media um, that she didn't declare the relationship. Um, she did. Thorpe did acknowledge that she did not advise Adam Bunt, which is the leader for Adam Green's Brand, part, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. that the relationship with Martin, but insisted that the confidential committee documents on the how AFP monitors outlaw motorcycle gangs were treated in confidence. So the committee I refer to here is that she was a member of the Joint Committee on Law Enforcement from... Uh, early 2021 to early 2022. Yeah. Right. So it didn't really over... He's he, he's already left. Seems like he's yeah, already yeah, left yeah. at the bikey, yeah. you know, circle. Well, it's just depressing yeah. because often... We, well, I mean, we, we've seen this a number of times when, you know, I mean, something similar happened to Gladys Berejiklian, you know, mm. um, not disclosing past relationships, etc., etc., I'm obviously not saying that's the same story here, you know, with Lydia Thorpe, but um, women just, yeah, after what's happened with, 
you know, so many stories in the last couple of years. It's just like women are consistently set up to fail for a lot of kind of like errors that are errors in a way that, I don't know, I feel like, I'm not saying that, yeah, men get away with so much more, et cetera, et cetera. But it feels like um, it's this narrative of Lydia Thorpe being forced to resign due to this um, due to this uh, error in her, I mean, quote-unquote judgment, you know, mm. and I'm not saying she didn't break any kind of policy law or, you know, within her party. Uh, I don't debate that or anything. It's just like um, I feel as though it's a uniquely female thing for this to happen. And yeah. it's it's just like for then me, be... I, I find it just like personally quite disappointing because Lydia Thorpe is one of the politicians who I just like you know how I feel about politicians I have no time for them at all I have zero respect for them but at least Lydia Thorpe was a bit of a at least even if even if her uh, anarchic energies were performative at least she was anarchic in like at least she you know like stuck up the finger to Mm -hmm. like uh, she wasn't I don't think she was going to inherently change any anything like um systemically you know like she would I, I don't think that she would in this country ever be elected prime minister be, for instance you know be she would, yeah yeah because of just inherently you know the uh, you know what this country the kind of person that this country elects mm-hmm. she just doesn't fit that mold um but you know she is someone who i just thought you know she had like i just like people who are more anarchic and um abrasive and kind of say it how it is um Mm -hmm. and she was more like that so it's just disappointing to see her go this way yeah i can already anticipate the mob of trolls like right-wing conservative trolls is going to go and verbally attack her online about this incident Mm. you know and also how the right-wing media such as the murdoch empire would report on this news it will be totally biased i mean i'm guessing it'll be very different to how the murdochs retreated to for example angus tyler Ellen Truge and what Christian Porter, Barnaby Joyce, you know, they they report lightly on those male politicians and because they think that they are above the law and on contrast that they would those right wing medias would hit very hard on women and especially women of colour. Yeah, exactly. And you know, exactly. the, the the things that they did is they can't even compare. It's just very different. Christian Porter and Barnaby Joyce is pathetic behaviors and yeah <laughs> so annoying yeah it's it's very disappointing all, all yeah. around you know all around so we gotta yeah. latch on to some good news so um yeah hoping to watch a couple of anime wong films you know, <laughs> in, the, in the coming weeks let's aim uh, to do it let's aim to do it okay that's right yeah okay before we go um i want to mention that slinter theater's second birthday party is coming up uh as many of our listeners knows that how much we support asian australian theater productions none other slinter theater the production company is celebrating their second birthday this month they will be holding a birthday bash at Marrickville's flight pass theater from the 26th to the 29th of october the production team will be presenting new works and excerpts featuring very talented director, writers, actors and designers from the fantastic Asian-Australian theatre community. So get your tickets now for some amazing performance and we will have the link for the ticket purchasing on our show notes. 
Amazing. Yeah. Cannot wait. Cannot wait. So that's it from us this week.、Uh, remember to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Google, and Apple. Give us a five star rating. If you would like to support us, what we do here at Asia Pitches Down Under, head to Buy Me Coffee and make a donation for us to continue the intersectionality in the podcast industry. Okay, so that's it from me this week. Anything else? Yes. Stay safe, guys. Yes.、Yeah, Have、safe. a good week. Bye.